From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 105, and I'm joined by Peter Harvey, whose current film, Acquainted, is in theaters and approaching VOD, so please check that out, as well as playwright Ellie Moon, who is an emerging screenwriter. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch The Godfather. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film many times. I'm Peter Harvey. Uh, this is going to be my first time. I'm, I know. Like, how have I not seen this movie? No idea. No idea. And we'll be joined uh, at some point by, with, by Ellie Moon, uh, who is just on her way, but she's a bit late, and we wanted to start because it's a big-ass long movie. And exactly. It's, and it's already late. So you don't know how you miss, missed this one. I don't know how I missed it because, obviously, it's it's so iconic, and it's like I know parts of it, and I'll be surprised if, like, I haven't seen scenes here and there. Oh, you have to have. Or at least images. Yeah, just because, like, I grew up with older cousins. And it's like, they were always around. We were always at each other's houses. So it's like, I yeah, I think I would have seen, like, obviously the horse head. Yeah. Like, I've seen that part. Yeah. And then it's like, you see... And that's just one of those iconic things, too, that you just... A lot of... It's hard to not know that about this movie. Exactly. I, I imagine that this film as well is uh, is one of those films that the longer you put off watching, the harder it is to watch it. Yeah, I think... There's just a lot of pressures built up. Yeah, and it's it's funny. It's like this is, I don't know, the perfect time. It's like, it's kind of like wait till you're ready to watch it at that point. And yeah, when you called the other day and was like, hey, do you want to watch that movie? I was like, yeah. Yeah, this is perfect. Like, well, this is one of the ones that I, there's, there's actually a surprising number of people that we know that I know uh, that have not seen this film, and so I've always had a, actually a, a sizable list of people that uh, for this episode, um, and then schedules be as they are. So it was one of those ones I was kind of surprised that so many people hadn't seen it, and I don't know if it's it's just that movies with like a three hour price tag. Is is harder these days as we're all older and busier. Yeah, maybe. And like, you know, when did it come out? What? Oh, this was seventy seven. It, yeah. it won the best picture in seventy seven. Yeah, so it's like it 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 was before I was born. Or, no, sorry, seventy six. It won best picture. So it's, you know, I would have had to have somebody older showing it to me. Yeah, and I just never had that. No, I saw this. I saw this in high school because, um, oh, Ellie's here, but she has no idea how to get this door open. We're going to pause here and be back with Ellie Moon. So Ellie has joined us, and Ellie has also 
Never seen the movie. Nope. And what's your excuse? I heard Peter's, and it's a good one. Oh, I want to steal it. What is it? No, there's nothing. There's nothing. It was literally <laughs> like, I don't, I have no idea why I had never seen it. Yeah, I think same. I mean, haven't seen a lot of movies. Yeah, are you, you're I not much... Are you not, like, an older movie person? Yeah, like, old classics I haven't been sort of caught up on. Movies that were made before I was born that are sort of amazing movies I've not seen. Oh. Uh, yeah. Other ones you have that you liked? Older movies that I liked. I've seen Citizen Kane. Oh, okay. That's good. That's the one, is We it? just recently did that on the podcast. Okay. To mix, very mixed response from people. Interesting. Okay. Which, was, which was good, so... Uh, yeah. I'd be curious to listen to that. I'll go and listen to that. And so this one in particular, is this one that you had an interest in watching? Yeah, Marlon Brando. Did he win an Oscar for this? Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I guess this doesn't spoil anything. There's like three movies. There's a very famous story, and this kind of changed the Oscars to some extent. Mm -hmm. So he was nominated in one... Will it be loud? No, go ahead. Eat away, crunch away. You've been warned, viewers. Uh... He uh, won Best Supporting Actor. For The Godfather. For The Godfather. I think of him as being the lead. Well, I, so I spoiled something. Should we, like, guys uh, in the first ten minutes? I mean, it's very much an ensemble movie, so right, it's right. like... I mean, it's one, I think it's one of those cases like they do now in the Oscars where it's not so much uh, who qualifies for what award as which award are they more likely to be able to win. So it's like when Training Day came out, Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke were both nominated, but Ethan Hawke was nominated for Best Supporting, even though he's clearly the lead of that movie. You know, but they're like, he has a better chance of winning in that category than he does in the lead category. Right, right. Uh, That's not to say anything. But what happened was Marlon Brando protested against the Academy and sent... uh, I can't remember what was going on in the world at the time, but he sent a Native American in his place to accept the award. And that was but, a protest? Well, yeah, I can't remember what it was about. It's easily Googleable. Okay. But, but the thing that happened after was that it came out that the person that he, the Native American, I'm using air quotes, was not actually a Native at all, and they were an actor Ooh. who was pretending to be a Native American. That which, which you know, didn't make him look right. So that, but this is also the point in time when Brando was kind of going through his crazy phase, or at least the very beginning of the crazy phase, which continued throughout his life. I also know because I've seen things that have had the horses. Like I've seen Simpsons episodes with the horse's head and been like, "What the hell?" And okay, so you both know. Me, you both knew about the horse's yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. People have explained to me that. Yeah. And Marlon Brando, he's the guy from like in like on the waterfront. Yep. Which I also haven't seen, but... Yeah. And Streetcar Named Desire, right? Streetcar Named Desire, uh, Apocalypse he's Now. he's older and fatter in this movie. Not necessarily... He's not like Apocalypse Now, older, fatter, but it's around the same time period, actually, so... It's a really interesting... I mean, there's stories I can tell you about, but I don't want to ruin anything. Peter's okay. making a head bob. <laughs> and now I'm like, hmm... Um, I don't know. Why don't we dive into it? And then... We should just watch. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Pete's eager. I yeah, know. Right, I don't so want any more spoilers. No spoilers. And how long is it? Long. It's five and a half hours long. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's three hours long. Amazing. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we just finished. And? It's a good movie. Yeah, no, that was yeah. great. That was... I, I, I get w- what the whole hype's about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was like... 
At first, it was a... Uh, actually, the whole pace of it is, is super interesting because mm-hmm. it's super slow, but it takes a little while to get used to the pace, especially like in this day and age of filmmaking. Yes. But it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful film, and it's like the pace really adds to it. Yeah, I mean, really, the first 45 minutes is... And I'm, and I'm estimating the time is... The wedding and the, the California story, which you could argue you could pull out of the movie, mm-hmm. potentially. But there's so much set up inside of that. I mean, the, uh, the, the time they take with the L.A. story and the horse's head um, really gives you a sense of what he will do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the wedding, you know, builds him. And the family, like, you know, everyone coming and and talking to him, I think, is really important. So, yeah. And you get to see Michael is in his soldier's outfit. He's a war hero. Mm-hmm. You know, you contrast that with... You contrast Michael at the beginning and the end, and it's like two different actors. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can get into it, but it's like Pacino in this movie blows yeah. my mind every time. Yeah. Generally, I thought, like, wow, everyone's really a fucking amazing actor in this movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, they did yeah. good. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And you didn't realize it was James Con. Yeah, no, I I was like, I didn't realize it's Sonny. I was like, man, he's familiar looking. And then when I saw his name at the very end, I was like, right, like wow, is he young in that movie? And in this movie, when I watch it now, he makes me think of like a hybrid between Casey Affleck and Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> like, there's this energy to him. Ew. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. It's it, he does a really great job in it because it's like, you know, he does the angry son really well, but then he also like gets tries to get it under control as well. It's interesting. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the pace, I kept feeling like like it had a bit of a Lord of the Rings quality at the end where I was like, "Oh, well the baptism could be the end of the movie." Like, you know, He's being sworn in as the Godfather. Okay, well, then this could be the end of the movie. Okay, well, this could be the end of the movie. But unlike The Lord of the Rings, sort of each one made me want another ending. It was <laughs> um, multiple endings in a positive way. Well, I mean, the baptism, me. the baptism is the end of the movie. It's just... It, it, it just goes on for a while after. Well, it has to wrap itself up. You need. I mean, basically, it's like this movie, you know, the way I think I see it uh, is that it's about... You, know, you were asking earlier, I mean, you guys were talking about the fact that it was uh, a spoiler or but that Brando is not the lead of the movie. You know, cause he the, is, though. What do you think? I would say that they're, they're, say, yeah. they're co-leads. Yeah. Well, it's about the, God, it's about one, it's about the Godfather, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, but who that is changes yeah. to the course of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's really, yeah, it's about, it's a father and son story mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But it's also a story about a man going from being an innocent to becoming the devil, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways. And what he has to become to be the head of the family. You know, he's saying he renounces Satan just as he's giving over and becoming Satan, really. Yeah. You know, and he's lying, you know, and you, what, what was the big moment you gasped at Ellie, while we were what watching the at the very end, very, very end. It's Michael and Kay. What was the big moment it I gasped at? It just happened. I know. I'm we so tired. Jo- um, 
She he asked she asked him if it was true. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No. If he had killed um, Connie's husband. And he straight up fucking lied. <laughs> oh, asshole! I do hope part two is Diane Keaton getting revenge. Yeah, she becomes she, the Godfather. She becomes the Godfather. That's true. Yeah. That's what happens in part two. Part two is arguably better. Ooh. And then wow. it's part three. Yeah, one part of, the, one of them, yeah, is famously bad. I know. Part three was originally supposed to be called The Death of Michael Corleone, and then they just <laughs> made it The Godfather Part Three. It would have worked better with just that title. Right. Anyway. And, and part, three's, part one and two won Best Picture, right? Both did. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty Both good. did. Part two, not without spoiling anything, is actually a prequel and a sequel. Oh, wow. He goes oh, back and tells the story of Marlon Brando's character coming into his own, mm-hmm. and also tells the story of what happens to Michael after. And Michael and Don Vito, the younger him, is played by Robert De Niro. Oh. Very cool. That's, yeah. yeah. So, it's great. It's really, really great. And it's, it's fascinating that the two movies came out two years apart. And especially with Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton had three movies in a row that were Best Picture. Yeah. It was uh, Godfather, uh, Annie Hall, Godfather Part Two. She's so So good she had a hell of a run yeah. there in the late 70s. Oh, she's so beautiful. Yeah. That is remarkable. The thing I was surprised, for some reason I knew the orange peel thing. There, well, the orange peels, and I can't remember what it's supposed to symbolize... But it's, it's a running thing throughout the entire movie. When he's first shot at, in the market, not the market, on the street, he's buying oranges. Oh, I don't And they spill out all over the street. Uh, There's oranges at the wedding, yeah. uh, in his office. There's oranges with uh, Luca Brasio when he's practicing a speech. Tessio has oranges. So it's like oranges... Whenever there's an orange in a scene, there's something to do with violence. And I can't remember what it, what it is, why... I read somewhere once um, Coppola talks about it, but I can't remember the the reasoning for it. But the oranges do reoccur throughout. There's these little weird Easter eggs. Right, right. But for some reason I'd seen, like, I don't know, Simpsons, South Park. Like, I'd seen oh. someone with the orange peel in their mouth, like, doing this with their arms out, chasing a kid, and I hadn't known what that was in reference to until I saw this. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's are just tons of little things that, yeah. like, Pete noticed a few while you're watching. He's like, oh, that's where that's from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the Goonies. Hey, Mikey! Hey, Mikey! <laughs> I was like, what? The Goonies? Okay, wow. Yeah, well, the Goonies is only, I don't know, less than a decade after this, right? Yeah. So it's ripe for, for commenting on at that point. Totally. Yeah, it's amazing how whenever you go back and watch these big, iconic movies... All these references that you didn't know it came from that start popping up. It's like either lines of dialogue or little moments. Um, yeah, the offer you can't refuse. I yeah. Was like, have I heard that? Hannah McEnough, you can't refuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's been parodied a, a million <laughs> times. Everywhere. On comedies as well, just like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if you want to get a really great. Um, Back, I mean, there's a there's tons of books written on on the making of this movie, but there's a great documentary about Robert Evans called "The Kid Stays in the Picture," and uh, Evans was the producer, and he was one of the producers on this film, and it gets into just the production of this film and and how it was a fucking shit show disaster. At one point, the movie was terrible what? because they were just meddling with the edit. They were trying to get it down to like two hours and. 
it was just an unmitigated disaster. Um, now he and Coppola fought. I have this great book I pulled out. Um, it's called The Godfather uh, Notebook. And what um, Coppola did when he made the movie, as opposed to working from like a traditional script, I mean, he did write an actual script just so other people on the production knew what to do, so actors had specific lines and whatnot. But the story goes is that he never actually had a script on his set, and that's not what he used. What he did is he took, because it's based on a book, and so he took the book, and he almost made like a prompt book that we would in theater. Oh, wow. And so he literally cut it out, cut out every page, and put it into a bigger sheet of paper. Whoa. And then wrote notes all over it. Um, and this is a recreation of that prompt book. That's wicked cool. It's this company named Paul Regan Arts that made, I think, a very limited amount of them. So I don't know if you can get it anymore. I think you can pay an ass fortune for it on uh, online. It was $72 when I got it. Wow. But it's a lot more now because they, they only made a certain amount. But it's a really cool, um, it's a really cool, I mean, I don't know if you can get it from the library or anything like that. But young filmmakers and nerds, if you ever want just like a, an example of studying a notebook, because there's also, for every chapter, he wrote these little synopsises. Right. Um, and, and broke down, like, he wrote down a synopsis of every scene, the times and what was the references in the times, the tones and imageries, the cores, uh, the pitfalls of those scenes, whether they were necessary or unnecessary. It's a really, and this is what he had on set with him. And so little things like, for example, that uh, the scene where Brando dies with the oranges and he chases the kids, that was, scene was completely improvised oh. because they didn't have a scene. They just cut to his funeral at one point after that scene with him and Michael in the, in the garden. And then they realized they needed, after testing it, it's like, no, you need to show his death. Show and, that's, his death. and it's such a like, beautiful, it's such a scene, yeah, yeah, it's such a yeah. beautiful death because it's, you yeah. know, it's not violent. It's innocent. And it's... Yeah, and I believe the oranges yeah. was... Uh, or, like, doing the orange peel thing with a kid was Brando's idea. Because it's something he had done to a child before. Oh. And remembered being during. But you were talking about... Because um, Brando wasn't as old as he's playing in the movie either at the time of the shooting. Right. How old was he around? I, we could look it up. Yeah, we could look it up. But it's like he would have been in his probably maybe 50s, maybe late 40s. But he wasn't like, I mean, he's playing a man in his 70s or 80s, right? And they didn't want to cast him. He went in and he put like, he got these cotton balls and put them in his mouth and did this whole, did his own makeup or did some kind of thing for the camera test just to show them what he could he would do with the character. And so and really just went for it. Yeah, it's great. The the prosthetics. I think he wears a chin. Yeah, like to, jowls. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And he's still kind of sexy. Like you can still the see, you can still see the streetcar named Desire. You know, Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, just that way that that whole opening work. Just oh, that the, all those scenes in his office as people are coming in and asking favors of him, and just like the variety of things that are happening and. How soft-spoken he is, yet intimidating as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when the first guy comes in, he's like, you're not my friend. You don't even want my friendship. You're just here because you have no other options. You're a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. And then as soon as he, the guy cowers and calls him Godfather, he's like, all right, fine. 
But yeah. even he says it like he, well, he you don't says, want you don't justice. Call me Godfather. Yeah. Hey, you don't give me respect. But even I like the moment when he's like, you seek justice, but what you're asking for is injustice. Your daughter's alive. You know, he's mm-hmm. she's beating the fuck, but yeah, you know, she yeah. wasn't murdered. So why would we murder the people? Uh, and I love that it's like it's about. He's got even though you know he's the the boss of this underworld family. He's still got some kind of code, you know. He won't get into the drug game because he keeps on saying, "Like this is the thing that will ruin us down the line." You know, we're gonna lose all of our police protection. We're gonna lose all these things. And it's yeah, someone's gonna make a buck off this, but it shouldn't be us. Right. And eventually, he gets worn down, and they they all sign up on it as long as they keep it away from schools and make sure white people don't have it. <laughs> essentially. Yes. Is the way they describe it. I don't know if you missed that part. It's kind of glossed over. No, I caught it. It's, it's, yeah, it's an interesting commentary of potentially the time. Um, yeah, it's, an, it's sad too because it's, you know, the a lot of the reality as well. Yeah, because yeah. they are moving into that. I mean, this is the '40s, and they're talking about heroin, right? And so mm-hmm. we, we think of that more of a moder- as a modern drug. Yeah. But it's already kicking in around that time. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola, wow. Yeah. Really likes his epics. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I did I did have trouble, I guess, like, not that it's unusual still to see, like, a movie or a play full of white guys, but I did, like, have trouble at times being like, oh, that guy, he's different than that guy, he's different than that guy. Well, it's all Italians, too, right? It's all Italians, too. I mean, it's also, like, a big screen, so I'm looking at people's faces closely. Um, But I did think, like, oh, yeah, that's one argument for diversity, Um, as well as all the obvious arguments. You can just, like, tell people apart better when they're not all fucking white guys. Well, yeah, but it's it's hard. When you're making a movie with a gut butter and Italian, it's just like in family, it's it's hard to... But, yeah. Yeah, well, it's the time, sure, but there's, like, there's movies being made at this time that have more diverse casting, but it's just you can't really have that of diverse casting in a movie like this. I think if you were to remake it now, maybe you could have Tom Hagen be a different... some creativity, yeah. Well, it just wouldn't make, it doesn't make sense. They're all family members. They're all related. It's just you can't... What does that show Bad Blood do? I feel like they have some diversity, and that's like an Italian mafia thing. I'm but it's also a modern-day story. It's, it's true. different. True, it's true, like true. this is very much... You know, back in the 40s, it was very much family, family, Sicilian. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it was a very... And even, let's like... I had to the, swallow those gender politics in this movie. Yeah, well, it's just... Yeah. It's, just it's, a, it's a movie about a certain time and a certain type of people, so it's mm-hmm. just hard. If you're going to be authentic, you have to be true to a certain thing. I mean, the one... Uh, but it's interesting because they're also seen as really... I mean, the, the irony is, even though it's it's a movie full of white people... The irony being is that it's like this, you know, for the time and at the time was a very diverse movie for the fact that it was telling yes. an yes. Italian story mm-hmm. and uh, specifically about that, you know, and, and, and not all of it was in English, you mm-hmm. know, lar- large sections of it are, are, su- are not even subtitled. I know. I was, that, the, the yeah. scene yeah. in the restaurant and I was like, oh, is this supposed to have subtitles? And then later on, there's subtitles, and I'm like, oh, I guess not. I think what's interesting with that scene, I mean, fuck, it's, I even forgot about that scene. While we're, there's so many goddamn great scenes. Um, well, I think what I take away from that moment is is you're really... Well, that scene does really, really well, the, the scene where um, Michael kills the, the police chief and Scaleri. 
what's the guy's name? I think it's something like that. What I really love about that scene is how just in Michael's head you are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, th- those train tracks and the way they just build and they grind. But then also, I think the reason why there's no subtitles is because Michael's not paying attention to that conversation. Yeah. Oh, you know? true. He's not really thinking about what that guy's saying because nothing matters what he's saying. Yeah. Because he's going to kill him. He doesn't, he doesn't need to retain any of that information. He's barely responding. So, I, I, for me, I think the idea that not having the subtitles is forcing the audience to just really focus on Michael in that scene. You know? Totally. And it's... That is like... Like you said, you're like, you almost forget about that scene, but that was an amazing scene for him. It's like just watching him go through, especially when he sits back down, because you're like, oh, like that wasn't part of the plan. He's supposed to come out firing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you're he, like, he's constantly doing that. They're like, to do this, do that. But you're, you're like, as the audience, you almost start to question whether or not. He's going to do it. Yeah, you're like, did he leave the gun in there? Does he have the gun? What's going on? It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he does. And, he, and, he, and I love the moment where he, because he's, he's supposed to like put your hand back down, drop the gun and go out. And he forgets to. And he's walking in. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like flings it. Yeah. Gets the fuck out. Yeah. It's interesting too. It's like when you, and I, because you guys knew it was a three hour movie. But in another movie, that feels like it's the ending. Mm-hmm. You know, he's avenging his father. He's they you could you could end the movie around there and he's had a pretty significant arc from where, <laughs> from where he started. You're yeah, you're right. And then it's like that's yeah. it. This is the movie. He no. avenges his father's death and you could do subtitles at the end or like a title card at the end that's like he's moved to Italy for yeah, where he found the love of his life until she was car bombed. Yeah, that was that scene. Wow. Yeah, she was so pretty. Yeah. Um, it does make me want to see number two. Oh, well, you got to yeah. see number two. Number yeah. two is great. Put it on. Right now? <laughs> Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Back to back. No, um, it was, uh, like, it makes me wonder who's in number two, who we get to. Well, everyone who survived number one. <laughs> everyone? Yeah. Connie. Pretty. Connie's there. Oh, Connie's there. Good. Let's talk about Connie. I like Connie, man. Yeah, Talia Shire. Who you said reminded you of Meredith McNeil. Mm-hmm. Big time. Who I was a good friend of mine from Baroness Von Who Spice I don't show. know, but who I'm a big fan I, I of. I can totally see that. Big, so, big fan. So she's also, for those who have seen Rocky, is also Adrian. And uh, and is related to Francis Ford Coppola. I think oh, really? she's his sister, actually. Oh. Oh. Well, and also, like, Nicolas Cage is his nephew. Yeah. Oh, right, right. And all, like, that's that very incestuous... Hollywood, there's tons of them. There's yeah. also uh, Roman Coppola, obviously. Um, but um, what's his name? He's in all the Wes Anderson movies. Uh, Rushmore. Oh, really? Yeah, that's Talia Shire's son. What? Whoa. What's his name? What's his name? Drive um, uh, me nuts. Do we have to go to the internet? Uh, Jason Schwartzman. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, very strong. If you just like look at the the, the Coppola family, the tree. Coppola family tree, mm. there's uh, there's a very strong reach. There's a very talented group of people that came came from that. Um, it's interesting to see. You know, you look at Coppola and Spielberg, and um, like their their class. 
Because they all went to film school together. Yeah. Oh, and, really? uh, George, well, no, George Spielberg Lucas. didn't. No, no, he was friends with them, but they, he wasn't in like that. T, he wasn't in that famous class. Yeah, it was um, Lucas, Coppola, and Lucas, and a couple. And who else was in there? But I don't think because Spielberg was his break. He just snuck onto the lot and gave himself an office. What? Right, he was. You don't know that story? No. Spielberg, when he was like 19 years old, I, I think. Well, I want to say it was Paramount. Just kind of got past the guard. And found an empty office inside of one of the, like the big studios, oh, and just gave himself an office. Does he do? Genius. Yeah, I don't know if he was nineteen, but he was very, very young. So they just uh, kept going. He's like, "Yeah, I got an office." Yeah, that's kind of how it went. And then he got to know people, <laughs> and he networked while he was there. Yeah, um, I don't think he was. I, I could be wrong. So internet screaming me, but I think Spielberg was definitely one of their contemporaries, and he worked with all those guys and knew them. Mm-hmm. But uh, was not part of that. I was, yeah. I read. Well, again, I could be wrong, but I thought he was. Yeah, well, he wasn't part of the. Uh, what was the company they they founded? That um, Coppola and uh, what was it? Uh, American Zeotrope. Yeah. Was uh, Coppola's company that was because he was constantly just throwing. He was. Uh, really, very much his own studio, Coppola, right? And he would uh, uh, always put his own money into his projects and go bankrupt. And But he was also an entrepreneur. Like, he owned wineries and vineyards and, you know, he was a real businessman. And it's kind of what he does now. Yeah. He's more of a... Did more, he... Oh, no, sorry. What were you going to say? Did he shoot in his wineries and his vineyards? I don't think so. Oh, no, I think he just used them to kind of help keep the, the movies going. Right. To some extent. To make the money to get locations. Yeah. No, no, well, not money to get locations. <laughs> he was just using, like, the profits from the wineries to help yeah. keep the studio running when he was down. I mean, really, he didn't... It's. Fin- I mean, when you compare, like, Coppola to, like, Spielberg and, and Lucas and those guys, it's like, Spielberg is the one workhorse that's stuck around and, and continues at it to this day, where, you know, Lucas... Keeps on saying he's going to make all these little small personal projects. Maybe he is and just never showing them to anybody, you know. And and Coppola, every now and then, kind of shat out a film. But after you know, you've got these movies, you've got Apocalypse Now, and then he slowly starts to fade away. Really, like he's he makes made like the little the Rainmaker that. Jack, the Robin Williams movie, Jack. Do you remember that movie? I didn't realize that was oh, yeah. his. Francis Ford Coppola directed the movie Jack. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, so his career just took this weird turn after a certain point, and he kind of, like, either he wasn't into it anymore or something. He was probably like, man, those epics are hard to make. I think, well, he grinded. There's also, uh, we did Apocalypse Now on the, on, the po- on the podcast already and talked about this. But there's a great documentary called Hearts of Darkness about the making of... It's the best documentary. It's great. And it's about how that almost broke him. Yeah. Apocalypse you know? Now? Yeah, just making that movie. Because they spent... It was... You know, it's... I don't want to... You just got to watch it because yeah. I will not do it justice. It's a... Yeah, an amazing documentary. Um, um, you know, then his daughter, you know, I guess growing up on film sets... Was probably That's Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's in. She no, she's in the third one. She's a oh really? As an actor, yeah, she's actually had a fairly big part. Ooh. Um, and how old would she be like in that movie? Teenage? She would have been in her early twenties. Okay, I think. Well, it was made in the nineties. It was made quite a bit later. Oh, really? It was. It was like the first two were made pretty much back to back, 
And the third one was made quite a bit later. Like 20 years later. In the 90s, yeah, I think it was in the 90s. And it takes place 20 years later on, too. It's like Michael's an old... Michael's like the age of the Godfather is in this movie. Okay. Essentially. So Mar- Brando's not in the third one? No. Okay. Did uh, did he... Did Francis Ford Coppola direct yeah. that one as well? Yep. Okay. Yeah, he directed all three. When did Brando die, actually? And as a human being? As a human being. Oh, I'd have to look it up. I mean, it was sometime in the... It wasn't that long ago, I don't was think. Was it not that long ago? I can't remember. To the internet. To the internet. Um, I but he was remember. alive when they did the third one. He just wasn't in it. Yeah, I mean, he's not... I mean, I don't want to spoil it for... He does die in this movie. The one we just watched. Yes, yes. I just meant it was the actor alive when they did the third one, I wonder. Oh, um... Uh, give me one moment. But probably. To find I his think, death. Uh, yeah, I mean, he went on for a while. I'm trying to remember... Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember... 2004, yeah, oh yeah. He was He was way alive. What was, like, the last couple things he did? Or what were the last couple things he did, rather? Well, I mean, he did that... What was the island of Dr. Moreau? He really kind of went cuckoo bananas. <laughs> right. At one point. He was, like, living in Neverland, Neverland Ranch with Michael Jackson. They were best friends. <laughs> what? What a weird... Well, he cool. was kind of cuckoo. Didn't he go cuckoo on, or maybe that's just his character? But I thought he kind of went cuckoo on. Uh, oh, the score. No, the isn't... movie, the score. That was one of the. La- that was the last movie he technically did was the score, which was directed by Frank Oz and had um, who was in it? it was Ed Norton, Robert De Niro, and Frank Oz directed it. And he wouldn't let Frank Oz direct them. <laughs> he kept on saying, "Cause you know who Frank Oz is, right?" Yeah. So he kept on calling him Miss Piggy <laughs> and just making fun of his Muppets career. Oh. He's like, you're not going to stick your head up my ass. And then so basically De Niro had to be, had to direct Brando through Frank. Like Frank Oz had to direct Brando through De Niro. He would right. only listen to De Niro. Um, but that was the last movie made was the score. And before that, it was like three movie, three years before that. And then Dr. Murrow was 96. Don Juan DeMarco. The Freshman. The Freshman, yes. And then Apocalypse Now. He was Jor-El in Superman, for those who uh, don't remember. Was it Brando or De Niro? I feel like one of them, there's a, like some lore around them like writing their lines on the wall and like not being able to learn their lines and writing lines on the wall. That and sounds more them. true of... Of, of Brando? Yeah. Well, Brando would... When he did Apocalypse Now, he wouldn't do the script. Right. He basically threw it in the garbage when he got there and... I don't even know if he ever learned the script. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's a million great stories about Brando and his eccentricities. He's so relaxed. He also had... So good. I can't remember who did it, who taped them, but there was a, a famous story... That he would, t- every now and then when he needed money, he would teach an acting class. Okay. He would just offer up an acting class for however many students. And it was, you know, not cheap. But it was also, you got to spend a week or however long it was with, with Marlon Brando. And somebody, I can't remember who, you'd have to look it up, convinced him to let him film the sessions. And they were going to make, like, make something out of it. But then by the end, they decided not to. Even though... By all accounts, it's it's like an exercise in fucking insanity what these acting classes were. They were like any other, unlike any acting class you could ever have. But famous people took these classes. 
I can't remember. I remember it was a couple of years ago. I uh, someone they, I think it was when he died. They someone started talking about it, and that these tapes still existed somewhere. And I can't remember who it was oh that that did it. But I think if they were going to come out, they would have come out by now. They've been burned, or yeah. they're, not, or they're in a vault. Like, recreate it, like fictionalize it, and. Yeah. At one point, they recut um, Godfather 1 and 2 into like a miniseries called The Godfather Saga because they they did it in chronological order. I think they did it for TV at some point, um, but I've never seen it. I would love to. It, it would be five or six hours long, Ooh. but it would be... That would be pretty amazing. It would be pretty great. To, well, I think if they did it, I think they released it as more of like a miniseries. So I think there's four episodes... It came out as like four, one, probably four, two hour things with commercials, like an hour and a half of content right. with half hour of commercials stuck in there. Uh, there's so many great moments. There's the. Uh, what was your favorite death? I'm really partial to leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> this is the first time I was saying when we were watching it, this is the first time I noticed the Statue of Liberty in the background of that. Cornfield or whatever the field, the wheat field yeah. that they're in. Yeah, the wheat field. I'd say my favorite death was definitely the horse. The horse? Oh, that was great. God. I, oh, that upset You guys knew the horse was coming. Right, but I didn't know he had a relationship to the horse. I thought oh. it was just a random horse. Why kill the horse if there's no relationship? I know. It's much better when he has a relationship with the yeah, horse Yeah, he says that's a $600,000 animal, which was 70 years ago. I can't even imagine the inflation on that. Well, the best, the, the best was sentimental value. Of the best was he was, pet. you know, talking about losing <sighs> a couple hundred thousand on the actress, and he was really upset. So it's like the horse was going to do it. Need, the, but needed, he also loved it. Needed the horse. to be the he horse. Money. Yeah, it needed to be the. Horse. It had to be the horse. Because oh. otherwise, why establish that scene? Oh, I was and then they just and they just so subtly. There's a couple of scenes later. Turtle. All of a sudden, there's these giant bouquets of. Oh, this is from uh, the actor guy. He's like, he got the part. It's like, oh, how about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about <Right>. that? <laughs> there's this really great Grand Theft Auto type. Um, Godfather video game that they made for the Wii. I don't know if they made it for other platforms. And uh, and the player character is voiced by Andrew Pifko, who is a, a Canadian actor who I've worked with and is a lovely human being. But it's a, what, it's a great, fun game because it takes place during the course of The Godfather, but you're playing like a tertiary role that's <gasps> behind the scenes of everything. And so you're the guy that goes and cuts the head off. And has to sneak it through oh, the house and put it in the bed. <laughs> so all these things, like while you're playing it, you're doing all this stuff. Stacking orders behind. In the yeah, back. that's just that you're doing all these little things. Like you, you help Michael move the bed in the hospital, and just all these other things. That's so funny. It's like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version of The Godfather. That's awesome. So if you have, if you like like shooter kind of games and love The Godfather, it's such a bizarre, weird game, but it's fucking great. Which um, we. It was I played it on the Wii. Okay. I think it was came out from multiple platforms, but it was such an interesting, smart way to do that game, without having you be any of the regular characters, um, but still put you in all the scenes that you want to be in. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the Mo Green death is great. Yes. When he gets shot, I don't even. I'd love to know how they did that shot because it's just like he's just sitting on the massage table, and then he gets shot. The glass splinters. And then blood pours out. Oh. 
Like, that's a pretty impressive gag. Uh, I th- yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it would have been... Like a little explosive on the glass? No. Like, how else would you do that? Well, I think it would have had to been... Uh, that is a good question. Like a little squib or something that was on there? I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. You know? Because there's so many great stunts like that where you're actually going... Like, there's when, um, when Connie's husband's being strangled by Clemenza and he's kicking the glass. Yeah. Uh, you're just on the... That was like, my favorite death. Yeah, they've mounted the, the, car, the camera to the hood of the car and they're just driving away. I laughed at it because it's like his foot got so close to the camera. Like, it's like... Yeah. It's like... <laughs> I was like, oh, and there's I broken glass. Like, and I keep on thinking, I'm like, he's gonna cut his fucking foot yeah. on that. Yeah. Leg. Well, maybe he did. The one shot that kills me, and I never realized it's when I was watching it before. I never thought about it. Um, is the scene where, right before Sonny is killed, when uh, Carlos is and Connie are having their epic fight, and Talia Shore is just like tearing the fuck through that house and smashing oh everything. Oh my god. Uh, and then, I mean, if that's not enough, like how just the tour of divorce that she is in that scene, but you watch that and you're like, how are they doing what they're doing and being safe and like, not hurting each other? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe they just are. Maybe there's like, just go for it, and that, and they made some kind of pact and agreement that it was okay to just do whatever. But like, you watch that, and it's like he's fucking hitting her. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and like she's hitting him back, everywhere. and yeah, yeah, broken glass. And how many times did they do that scene in the resets? Well, I'm sure they had candy glass back then. Oh, for sure they have candy glass, but still, when he's like when he's wailing on her with the belt, yeah, like he's hitting her. Yeah, you know, that's not the glass. I'm not worried about that. That's whatever. But it's more like the physical stuff they're doing with each other because the take does not break. Yeah, no, they're, and he's making contact. Which is also, I think, I don't think they had anything specific planned either. I think it was just one of those things where it's like, I'm going to create a scenario where you guys can just roam around this house. Whatever happens, happens. Don't and then don't hurt each other too much. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. Yeah. I'd love to. I, I'd love to kind of look up and read more about that scene. Yeah, I don't how know. How many vases they had available to be smashed? One or. They probably had, yeah they didn't one, they did it they did they had a truck full of. Uh, she did she literally breaks, ninety nine percent of everything. She leaves yeah. that one. She leaves the one face yeah. the top. It's almost comical. Yeah, at yeah. one point she where just, she just breaking everything, off the top shelf. I was like, I'm glad that guy got killed. I had mixed feelings about it at first, um, and I'm sure Connie who also had mixed feelings about it at first, will be glad in the end that he's dead. Yeah, I think yeah. she'll make peace with it. I think by... it was the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, this is the first time, I think this this is the movie where, and I can't think of other movies that use it, the derogatory term of guinea as like an Italian slang. Oh, yeah. It's like an Italian version of the N-word almost, the way people seem to use it. And I don't know, I'd love to look up the etymology of that word, because I don't know what it is. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Um, What else? The music in this movie. This that score, that da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Yeah, the score was awesome. Yeah. And you need the, like, we were talking about the pace earlier. You need the pace for the violence to be... Shocking. Shocking, exactly, yeah. Because there's so much of it that if it wasn't slow, the whole movie would just be like numbing, constant violence. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, even just like levels of like the horse's head. It's like you're st- you're just on that bed, oh. and it just starts panning over. And you guys have the perfect reaction because you're like, well, I mean, what was going through your head during that shot? I I think I said I was like already the horses thing already because it was so early in the film, um, and I was thinking just based on, you know, how famous that is as like a thing we associate with the Godfather. I was thinking that happened later on and was like a climactic thing. But of course, it's instead like, you know, like the gauntlets being thrown down. Yeah. It's the yeah. But even with, but just as he was rolling over, and there's a little bit of blood and a little bit of spots, and then he like what was going through your head at that point? I thought it was going to be under the pillow. Like you couldn't tell where the blood was coming from. There was so much of it. I think oh. that's I think that's the one scene that I have seen before. So I kind of remember what was going to happen. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be the pullback. Plus the Simpsons do it so well, as well. But the uh, I think what surprised me was the amount of blood. Like I always remember it being bloody. But it's just like he keeps pulling back the sheets, and you're like, "Oh man!" Yeah. <laughs> like, you're which, like, what? which they probably would be. Probably I was like, be. "What kind of sheets were those, though?" So oh, silk that they didn't soak through. But I the did top. think silk. no one he didn't notice when a horse's head, like how he's deep a, a deep, sleeper he's a is deep he? Sleeper. <laughs> that man probably who knows what drugs he takes before he goes to bed. Horse train. I want to see the scene where they're like, shh, shh, don't, no, no. That you, you got to play the god for the video game because you literally get to be that guy. You have to sneak through the fucking house with and not horse with the horse head and not get caught. It's a tough scene. Slipping on blood and like, yeah, 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 it would be tough. Yeah, they don't make you literally cut the head off, but Good. you're you're involved. Good. <laughs> what do they do with the body of the horse? Uh-huh. Glue. Oh right, of course. I don't know. They they didn't productivity. Yeah, well they they didn't try to. Sne- it's it's a lot easier to sneak just a head through a house than the body. <laughs> I know, but the body, you know, use the full. Still yeah. a two person job for sure. Whatever. It was definitely a two person job. Yeah, in mm. the video game, you have a partner. <laughs> they give you somebody to help you. Uh, I assume the the, the body was left in the stable mm. and dealt with later on. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh man. And and the head's now mounted on a wall in the in that movie put in Wolf Waltz Waltz's uh, house. Oh really? Maybe I don't know. I'm making it up. I was like, but but prop head like does that exist somewhere? That would oh, be worth, probably. Oh, yeah. you never know. It's one of those. It's like who knows? Like some of that stuff it survives, but other times people you know didn't have the foresight to hang on to certain things. Mm. But uh, that that maybe it exists. Also, when well, did it's they a real head, so it wouldn't. I mean, it would de- decompose. They used a real horse's head for that scene. Did they? No. No, they didn't. I can't imagine they did. Maybe I'm way did. too tired was, to understand I when you're joking like, and when you're not. I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> no. No, there's no way they can. I, I can't imagine no. it. They used the real one. No, no, no. But I don't know that they didn't. It was the 70s, man. People, they did not give a fuck about animals the way they do now. The fish looked real, the dead fish, but those are easy to... And they weren't decapitated. Yeah, for some reason, I don't think anyone gives a shit if you have a dead fish on camera the way they do a a horse's head. Yeah, yeah. Because you just go buy those dead at the... Well, what was the... It's always like, well, if they die of natural causes, then it's okay. So it's like you take the fish out of the water and technically it dies of natural causes. The horse died of natural causes. Yeah, we just cut his head off after After it was already dead. After he was dead. Indignity to the body. Which might be what it was. Maybe they had a horse that was put down. Oh, no. No, I want to believe it's fake. It's a prop head and that... 
I, real for sure. Neither would shock me. We'll look this up later. You should. When is it done in The Simpsons? Because I can remember that, but I can't remember the context. Who puts it in whose bed in The Simpsons? God, it's got to be Mr. Burns. This guy, it's got to be related to Mr. Burns. I don't know. I don't remember that episode. Why am I thinking Ralph? Ralph? Yeah. I don't think Ralph did it. Or Chief Wiggums? Maybe was having it, was Chief, it Ra- Ralph? Was it Ralph's bed? head in Chief Wiggum's bed? Because that's his dad, right? Oh, that's a horse. <laughs> that's a horse head. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's good. That's good fan fiction. That's good Simpsons fan fiction. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what else? What else do you guys take away from this? Are you gonna dive into two soon? Yes. Actually, yeah. I'm I'm intrigued by the idea that it's a prequel and a sequel. Yeah, I think I I might be wrong, but I think it's on Netflix. I think you can really? uh, watch them on Netflix now. Might be Amazon. Could be, but I think they I, for some reason they either were on Netflix and now they just came off, or they just got back on again. Got it. But uh, they were they have been on Netflix in the past, so I would definitely suss that out for an easy way to see it. Although it's easily rentable on many platforms. Yeah, mm. it is not hard to find this movie. No, no. It's hard to avoid, in fact. Yeah. I don't know how we got so got so far into life and didn't see it. Ah, oh, so you just get there's I mean there's countless movies that everyone hasn't seen. That's why I have this podcast. That's why I have the podcast. I need people that haven't seen iconic movies, <laughs> otherwise this podcast ceases to exist. Very I was thinking true. a lot about a movie that I have seen, um, Scarface, and um, how like oh yeah, this will have been his like. His, like, audition for Scarface. That yeah, in later, some ways. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also, uh, and we did this in the podcast as well, there's an amazing movie called Dog Day Afternoon, which might be my favorite Pacino performance. Have you seen Dog Day, Pete? Oh, watch Dog Day Afternoon. I haven't. I haven't even heard of it. Oh, it's Sidney Lumet, I think. Yeah. Okay. It's about a bank robbery. Okay. But it's so much more than just a bank robbery. It's It's so grounded and bonkers and amazing and hilarious and everything it's not hilarious is a weird way to describe that movie but it's just the way it's grounded in reality makes it really charming mm. um it's phenomenal S- seek those out yeah early I, i'm a big fan of early pacino later pacino once he gets into the hua stuff it's not my favorite era of pacino like scent of a woman on right feels like he's just doing kind of like a parody of himself sometimes. <laughs> but this is my... I love Pacino and like Serpico and all those kind of things that start to come out after this. Because this was really the movie that put him on the map. Mm-hmm. Right? It was supposed to be Robert Redford, I think, who was originally cast or was who the studio wanted or someone wanted Robert Redford somehow. He's so fair. Look, he's so well, but that's, fair. That's very, he's still very Sicilian looking. It's True. like not all, we think of like the black hair, blue Italian. eyes, Italian, but it's like you look, you go to Italy and they don't all look like that. There True. are variations in the, uh, I could be wrong with Robert Redford, but I do think it was, Robert Redford was on, was one of the choices at one point. That's easy to find. You can, you can find pages and pages of trivia on this movie on the interweb. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you guys came and check it out. Yeah, me too. Definitely go for the second one. I'm, I, I, it makes me want to rewatch the second one very soon, too. Is the kid in the second one as well? Uh, his son? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the kids are all... Everyone's... Every, I tell you, everyone... I'm pretty sure everyone that uh, survives this movie is back in the next one. 
But do they replace the kid actor? Do they use the same one? Because uh, he's tiny. He's like I think three. knowing the way Coppola did these things is I think it's actually, you know, the kids are played by like his family members. Oh, right, right. The, the, I, I want to say I could be wrong, but I think um, the baby that's being baptized at the end is Sofia Coppola. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Um, I know she's in this one or the next one mm-hmm. in like some kind of iconic moment. I think that's is her. That's but crazy. I could be wrong about that's that. So that's so but, uh, but he does use family. It's all about family. Yeah. Um, that's true to the form. reason they're all in the, the film biz. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Any final thoughts? A plus. Yeah. And I want um, Diane Keaton and what's the other female actress's name? Uh, Talia Shore. Talia Shore. I want them to get a few kills in number two. That's yeah, you want them to join the family? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, like I'm, I'm going to warn you, it's still the misogynistic <laughs> 1950s. Now we're in the oh, 50s. Oh, damn. Yeah, because the first half of this movie takes place over the course of a couple of months. Yeah. And then the second half just blasts through years. You know, Michael leaves Italy, comes back and sees Kane to let us know it's been a year. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's got a three year old kid. Yeah. You know, so they really blast through those those years. It's interesting. Yeah. Is that timeline kind of whack though? Because at what point no, he has a three year old kid after his sister has the baby. Well that's not her first child. Oh that's not the child she's pregnant with when No, that wouldn't, okay. that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, no, that's what yeah, I was yeah, thinking. But no, she has multiple she's they just, just kinda of brush pregnant. the kids underneath the carpet. They don't really okay. Worry about that too, too much. Fair. Yeah. Well, cool. thanks for uh, for sitting down and watching a super long movie and having a big, big old chat about it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having yeah. us. Glad to see you. Let's all go to the. Thanks for joining us for the Godfather. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.